Welcome to the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. I am your host, Attorney Jeremy Pook, founder of Senior Attorney Match. Here, we discuss how attorneys who have practiced for more than 30 years can monetize their law practices. We also explain how to value and how to sell a law practice and the logistics involved when transitioning a law practice to a successor lawyer or law firm. I'm very excited today to introduce Mark Gottlieb. Mark Gottlieb operates MSG Accountants, Consultants, and Business Valuators based in New York. And Mark has a particular forte that Mark's developed over the course of Mark's career in forensic accounting. And Mark also has a particular specialty and experience on forensic accounting when it comes to valuing law firms. Mark, welcome to the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate being invited. So, Mark, we've gotten to know each other. And as we've discussed, the number one question that senior attorneys present to Senior Attorney Match, at least from the outset, is what is my law practice worth? And I'm really excited about our discussion today and want to know about your background. But before we find out initially about your background, you'll certainly be able to push back against me throughout the podcast because I'm often telling my clients that you really can't put a value on a law practice because of the goodwill nature of a lawyer's given practice, whether the lawyer is a real estate lawyer, a personal injury law attorney, a tax attorney, environmental attorney, and senior attorney matches approach to valuation, we're often telling our clients that the value is really based upon four factors. The client list of the attorney, the referral source list, the goodwill that the attorney has in the community or in the state, sometimes even nationally, where attorneys have practiced uh, across the country sometimes, and the subject matter knowledge that a given attorney has in, in one or more areas. But you've been throughout your career, had opportunities to value firms. So Mark, just first want to know a little bit about your background, and then let's go right into it in terms of how you valued law practices at various points throughout your career. As you said, I'm a credentialed business valuation expert and forensic accountant, and our firm specializes in those two disciplines. As you said, we're centered in, we're headquartered in New York City, but we do work throughout the country. And over the last 30 years of my career, I have valued law practices for various different reasons. It could be for a shareholder dispute. It could be for a buy and sell agreement. It could be for estate tax purposes. It could even be for matrimonial purposes. And interesting enough, I really enjoyed hearing your four talking points at the start of, of our discussion. But I must tell you, Jeremy, those four talking points are germane not just to law firms, but in valuing any professional practice or, in fact, any other business. So I think we're going to have a good discussion today because I think that we'll be able to help our listeners kind of understand what it means to value a law practice and what are the considerations have to be attended to to get a proper value. I must say that intuitively, I think we should all understand that valuing a law practice is not that much different than valuing another business, except for the fact that there are different types of businesses, different types of law firms that may be subject to our analysis. So we have sole proprietors, we have partners in white shoe firms, and we have medium-sized firms and firms in between. And I think we should understand that the 
approach that we take to value a professional practice, including a law firm, is greatly dependent upon the size of the practice. So let's first talk about sole practitioners. So it's not uncommon that a sole practitioner makes a very nice living, and he or she may work in an environment in which they have limited overhead. Sometimes they may even be working out of their home, even prior to COVID, right? And they have minimal amount of of staff, and they may use people on a per diem or part-time basis, and their expenses are really curtailed to some general business overhead, some office supplies, some traveling expenses, and some other expenses like labor and services, business services, computer services. Those are what you expect to see when you look at a sole proprietor. But when you actually look at their financial statements or their tax returns, you may see other expenses that are more of a discretionary nature. For instance, they may put their car lease in. They may put a certain amount of travel entertainment from their credit cards in. So in valuing a small solo practice, we really want to know what the cash flow available to the potential new owner would be. Jeremy, you may drive a very fancy car and your lease may be $1,500 a month and the insurance may be $300 a month and you use high octane gas. So when you blow a tire, it's $1,700 for a tire and an and axle. But you don't need such a fancy car. You may be able to drive a Chevy Impala, which will get you back and forth from uh, your business activities. So that's an example of a discretionary expense. And we have to look at those types of expenses to determine what the cash flow of the business is. And then once you do that, you know what is available to the new owner. In any instance, valuation is really in its simplest form is dependent upon what is the amount of cash flow available to the owner, both before and after officer's compensation, and what is the risk associated with earning that revenue stream. In its simplest form, those are the two things we're trying to determine. When we're looking at a very, very large law practice, that's very, very different. Generally, like I, I have valued several partners' interests in what you and I would refer to as big law practices or white shoe firms. And in many instances, we have to consider what their partnership or shareholder agreement dictates, because there may be qualifications or methodologies in those documents that determine the value of a business. The issue is, is that, as I said before, you have to look at the type of practice it is, you have to look at the size of the practice, and you have to kind of evaluate it based upon what has historically happened and what you think is going to happen in the future. Remember, valuation is nothing more than a prophecy of the future. And that's what you're paying for. You're paying for future income. I know that we're talking about transition here because that's what you do for a living. You help lawyers transition from an active, successful practice to maybe retirement. I'm going to ask you, what do you see more often? Do you see people just handing over keys and walking away? Or do you see people staying on for a bit? You have your thumb on the pulse of what people are doing in these instances. Your experience is going to be very, very different from valuation circumstances that are done for different purposes. What I see is that the seller, the senior attorney, needs to stay on 
for a certain period of time. And I'm always recommending that certain period of time be two to three years, sometimes less and sometimes even more. But if they want to get real value, that is if senior attorneys want to get real value from their practices, and if the growing law firms that succeed to the senior attorneys' practices, if they really want to be able to benefit from the clients and the referral sources that the senior attorney has developed, you're exactly right, Mark. They need to work together to transition those clients and referral sources to ensure that that cash flow continues. And if the cash flow continues, and that's the major factor that I live in when structuring these deals is the if part. If the senior attorney can deliver on clients and referral sources, buying, growing firm will pay the senior attorney over time a percentage of the revenues that come in. It's that if factor is what is dependent upon how much a senior attorney will be paid over time because the buyers just see it as too risky to say, okay, we'll look back at your last five years, your cash flow, your net profits, and pay you some form of a multiple on that. Do you see people, do you see smaller firms selling to existing staff or do you see them selling to strangers? Often, I'll call it pseudo strangers, okay? Because what I'm seeing is that it's not the internal sale, at least in the smaller firms, because what I'm seeing, Mark, is what I'll qualify the senior attorney-led firm as the senior attorney is typically what I'll call a papa bear or a mama bear. That is, they were the rainmaker. They were the person doing the work X number of years ago, needed to hire staff attorneys to then do the work so then they can go and bring in more work and always leaned on those younger attorneys to get the work out the door. Always would have wanted them to do business development. And then they turn to those younger attorneys who are now typically in their 40s or 50s themselves and say, well, I'm considering retiring. You've got a turnkey operation. Do you want to purchase this from me? And it's deers in the headlight mark, okay, where those people will say, well, I can do the work but I've never run a business before. And so what I'm recommending, what I'm often seeing in the market is that the senior attorney that's developed a practice, let's say a T&E practice, and has one, two, three, four, five associates working for that mama bear attorney, we look for their friendly competitors and approach them because the friendly competitors who are often younger in age and comparable age as the associates at the senior attorney's practice, but those Friendly competitors are always thinking to themselves, where can I get new clients? Where can I get new referral sources? Where can I find competent attorneys to do the work? Those are the typical matches that work really well in senior attorney matches model. Well, I want to tell you, in those instances, that's how you get the largest value, by the way, because that is what we call in our industry synergy value. I'm willing to pay more for your book of business to bring your law practice into my law practice because I know I can do the work with a modest increase in overhead and it's worth more to me than it would be for someone who was taking over and just working independently. Mark, thank you. And I just want to say that you absolutely nailed it when you used the term synergy value. And I really hope the listeners give a strong ear to that phrase because so often, Mark, what I see is those Papa Bear and Mama Bear attorneys, they want to hand over the keys to their 
key associate, their junior partner, because they've put in the sweat equity. They quote unquote, deserve it. But I'll share with you and I'll share with the listeners. I'm so glad you shared that term, synergy value, and that that is how senior attorneys can get the best value for their practices. Literally in the last two weeks, we've negotiated deals for senior attorneys where I am telling my senior attorney clients, grab this deal from your friendly competitor because they keep saying yes to all the terms that we're asking for. And why? It's because they recognize the synergy value, that term that you just put on it, because they're always thinking, how do we grow this practice area? And they recognize that client list, referral source list, goodwill, and subject matter knowledge of the senior attorney, plus the staff that the senior attorney brings to the table, and they are very willing to pay, albeit over time. But the chances that they're going to deliver, I think, and what I've seen in practice, is high because we're talking about motivated, younger attorneys that really want to grow their practices, and they're ready and willing and able to pay over time to senior attorneys for what their practices are worth. You're absolutely right, but not to take thunder away from your comment, and I'm going to tell you why this is the case. And the answer is, growing organically is very, very different. And law firms have now observed, learned, and have recognized that real growth in their practice is not going to come from meeting a new business owner or real estate broker at a card game or the country club. Real growth is coming from adding other practices, whether it be lawyers that actually do work that they're strong in or practice segments that they have no experience in. That's where the growth is coming now. And by the way, it's not only in law practices, it's in many other professional practices. Growth is now primarily coming from acquisition, not from organic growth. That's what I'm seeing. Mark, I'm seeing the same thing. Mark, thank you so much. MSG accountants, consultants, and business valuators, Mark Gottlieb, thank you so much for joining today's podcast. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, please feel free. Your phone number, your domain name, love for the listeners to know how they can get in touch with you if they have questions about accounting and for valuation purposes for their law practices. Sure. Our website is msgcpa.com or businessvaluation.cpa. We can be reached by phone at 646-661-3800. My extension is extension 117. And if you want to reach me by email directly, you can reach me at msgcpa at msgcpa.com. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. For more information, please visit senioratorneymatch.com can always reach me, Jeremy Pook, by calling me at 781-247-4211 or sending me a text message at 617-285-3325.